Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sundays with Saima. This podcast is made for aspiring otolaryngologists to learn from trainees and professionals in the field. I am your host, Saima Wase, fourth year medical student at Northeast Ohio Medical University. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Sonia Malexada, professor of otolaryngology, head and neck surgery, and residency program director at Georgetown University. She completed her medical degree at George Washington University, followed by residency at the University of Maryland. She serves as the associate editor of the Academy's Journal of Otolaryngology, Head and Neck Surgery. She is also the current chair of the Otolaryngology Program Director Organization. Dr. Malexida, thank you for joining me. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Thank you for inviting me. Very happy to be here. Absolutely. So to start out, do you mind talking about what drew you to otolaryngology in the first place? Of course. Um, My story is interesting. I had a very um, circuitous or non-traditional path to otolaryngology. Um, When I was a medical student, a third year medical student, rotating through the different specialties, um, I had a hard time trying to decide what I wanted to do. I knew very early on that I loved the operating room. I loved surgery. I felt that surgeons were my people. I felt very comfortable in that environment, but I didn't really find a specialty or even general surgery. I didn't find that they were the right fit for me. And so ultimately I decided to go into anesthesia, believe it or not. Yeah. I thought that Um, I'm going to be in that operating room environment. I'll be exposed to all the different specialties that I just love and I can't decide what I want to do. Um, And, you know, it's the excitement that I want. It's the challenge every day, something different. Um, So with that, I did, I matched into anesthesia, but I decided to pursue an internship in general surgery. So back in those days, I don't know if this is still current, but Um, As an anesthesia resident, you could either do a medicine internship or surgery internship or transitional year. And so, of course, I knew I wanted to do that surgical year. I had no interest in doing a medical or transitional internship. So in my internship, and again, internships were different back then, surgical internships, where we rotated through every surgical specialty. It's very different now. Mm. You had an opportunity to go through neurosurgery and neurology and anesthesia and ophthalmology. So those 12 months, you rotated through through different um, departments. My first rotation was otolaryngology, July of my internship year. And I was blown away. I I didn't have that sort of exposure as a medical student. I I didn't have the experience with otolaryngology and I fell in love with the specialty right then and there. Um, And I remember halfway through the rotation, going to the chair of the otolaryngology department and and asking for his advice because I wanted to switch. I wanted to be an otolaryngologist. Uh, Just this was it for me. And he was kind and wonderful. And Long story short, I ended up doing two years of general surgery because I had to go through the match from the very beginning again. So as an intern, I was going through the match with the fourth year medical students Mm -hmm. and I matched at the University of Maryland where I did my residency. So it was a bit of a circuitous uh, route, if you will, but I I found my way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy you don't have any regrets as you have a great career so far and you have become the program director of Georgetown University. What was the path like towards that? I started out my 
I finished residency University of Maryland, and then I went straight to Georgetown um, as my first academic faculty position. And I knew again very early on in residency that I wanted to be on the academic track and not the private practice track. Mm-hmm. It was important for me to come back to a location being near family, um, and my my parents were in the Maryland area, and I had been done my medical school at GW. Um, and actually I had been looking to GW for an opportunity for a faculty position and they had nothing available. And it just so happened that Georgetown had an opening as I was looking. So I ended up at Georgetown in 2001. Um, I started out again, very early. My passion was education. Mm-hmm. Even as a resident, I love the education piece, teaching the medical students. And one of my first positions in that department was the medical student clerkship director. So I took on that role soon after I got to Georgetown. Mm -hmm. I did that for about 10 years or so, um, you know, advising medical students and meeting with medical students and teaching, et cetera, and and teaching them about laryngology. And um, about 2007, I had the opportunity to come over to the VA in Washington, D.C. and to take over as chief of the division here. And so being in two different places made it difficult for me to be the medical student clerkship director. And I turned that over to one of my more junior colleagues. And in 2015, the program director at the time um, at Georgetown left to move across the country to a different position. So that opportunity opened up and I was fortunate that our chair saw me as a good fit for the program director position. He knew my passion for education, all that I had done in education. Mm-hmm. And he offered me the post and I absolutely was excited to do it because again, that's just for me, that's what I love about academic medicine. It's mm-hmm. having the students, it's the residents, it's the teaching, it's that academic environment. And to, to be able to take on this important role was an honor for me. And I've been doing this since 2015. Right. And you've been a great leader, not only at Georgetown, but nationally through this COVID pandemic. Um, What are some of the changes that you um, sort of implemented and think are here to stay? Many things. I think COVID, again, as terrible as it was and the challenges that we had, um, you know, I hate to be cliche about it, but there was a silver lining in all of this and, and some overdue changes finally came about. I think we mm-hmm. needed to change the match and the application process. Um, I certainly don't take any credit for the work that was done through Opto. I work with the Otolaryngology Program Directors um, Council, and that's made up of six other program directors. And what a fantastic team. I mean, just, I could not have been more fortunate to work with such forward thinking, um, easygoing uh, group of people. They just, they really, we, we threw this idea out there. Everyone embraced it. They saw the value in it. Everyone was, was passionate about this. Um, and I'm talking about the signaling uh, program. Mm-hmm. And we, we just, you know, we worked together as a team and put the process in place, um, got the buy-in that we needed to from some really important stakeholders, you know, the AAMC ERAS and the NRMP and certainly all the department chairs of otolaryngology in this country. We needed the, all the other program directors to be on board. We needed the medical students to be on board. You know, mm-hmm. this is something the medical, medical students weren't going to embrace. It wasn't going to be successful. So we spent about six months. It was a really, it was a crunch timeline um, because COVID hit, as you know, in, in the spring 
And in May, we started talking about signaling and we spent the summer putting tits together, webinars, conversations, discussions. And ultimately we were fortunate enough to be able to roll it out in the fall of 2020. And I think it was met with enthusiasm because already there were lots of grumblings and a lot of issues with the way we had been doing things. And this certainly isn't, doesn't solve all the issues, but it was one method of addressing these rise in application numbers and the over-application and, and just a way for students to be able to stand out in another way to programs. Um, and especially with the loss of the away rotations, which is that really is a super signal, if you will, right? Right. Um, with the inability to be able to do those away rotations, I think, again, the timing just worked out well for it. Um, so that was one of the initiatives that we put into place. And, you know, we were talking earlier, you and I, about the single interview offer day, which was another thought that we had had last year. We didn't want to roll out too many things at one time. So since signaling went off without a hitch, we decided to implement this this year. And, and again, I think there's opportunity for so many other things in the future to improve this process. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we're doing a great job as a specialty for, you know, we didn't get pushed back. The program directors were terrific. Mm -hmm. Everybody was on board. Um, everybody saw the value. This is really for the students. And so we have a great specialty. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that we have forward thinking leadership like you and um, hoping to keep this in the future as well. So in your role at Georgetown, what do you think has changed in the past six or so years uh, in your uh, position as program director? In my department at Georgetown, mm -hmm. Well, I've been there 20 years now, which is mm -hmm. just hard to believe. Um, time has flown. The department has really changed. You know, when I first arrived at Georgetown, we were, we were a much smaller department, fewer faculty. We didn't represent all the specialties within otolaryngology. And I think mm -hmm. over the course of the years, we have grown tremendously um, in terms of faculty. We are up to 20 plus faculty members now. We cover all the subspecialties within otolaryngology, which is wonderful. You know, we don't have to send residents elsewhere for any sort of training. Um, we've really ramped up our education and um, simulation is a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm proud that we started the boot camps um, at Georgetown 12 years ago, which is hard to believe was the very first boot camp. And mm -hmm. that has been so successful. And we have been able to engage other departments and uh, bring other faculty members to our boot camps to train them. And now, as you know, there are boot camps all over the country that can help the PGY1 and the PGY2 residents to um, have the skills necessary to be able to be successful as junior residents. So I'm very proud of that um, and the education we've done there. Right. And I think those uh, boot camps are very exciting, not only for uh, residents, but also for medical students like me who get to sneak in and get to experience some of the most exciting parts of the field that you get to learn. So. And some of the newer um, boot camps and simulation opportunities for medical students are doing a great job of bringing together students who are going to go into different specialties, but that you may work together in the future as colleagues. At Georgetown, we have a, a airway boot camp where we have our anesthesia colleagues, our emergency mm -hmm. medicine colleagues and otolaryngology. And then this fourth year students who are going into each of those specialties who've already okay. matched. Yeah. In the spring, we do an airway boot camp where together 
you know, they manage, they work with each other and they figure out, all right, as an anesthesiologist, how do I need to handle this situation? How do I work with my otolaryngology colleague or in the emergency room? How do we manage this acute airway? So that gives everybody those very early opportunities to experience what is going to happen in the following years in your residency and in your future as a practicing otolaryngologist. Right. And it's interesting to think that you first started in anesthesiology and now you can see what kind of collaboration can go on between the two fields. So kind of an adjacent field, but um, more hands-on, right? Yeah, I think in retrospect, it must have been the airway, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what attracted you there. All That's right. What attracted me, yeah. Nice. Um, so it's great to learn about kind of your path to ENT, um, where you are right now. What do you have to share with medical students um, interested in the field and what can they do to prepare? The first, um, in general, I would say for all medical students, whether they're going to go into otolaryngology or not, I think and this is what I tell my students when they sit down, and they meet with me is it's so important, I think, to find your passion and what you love. Often I have students who are coming to me and they're so focused on what the residency experience is going to be like. Oh, I can't do that because it's five years. I can't do that because it's six years. That's a really difficult residency. And I say you have to look beyond that. Don't focus on those few years ahead of you because that will be gone in the blink of an eye. That that goes by so quickly. And I tell my residents, you know, I, I know the days are long, but the years are short. It will fly by. So focus on what it is that you really love because at the end of the day, you have to get up and go to work. So if you do PEDS, for example, I don't mean to pick on PEDS, but it's three years because it's only three years. If you don't love that work, you are not going to be happy in your career and your path moving forward. And, and that saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life is so true. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's what I tell the medical students. And I also tell them to enjoy the journey. You know, you get so caught up as a student and a residence and the stress and the worries and not knowing what the future holds. Right. And if you now reflect back, I wish I had enjoyed the process more. I wish I had enjoyed the journey because mm -hmm. it, it is difficult. You know that going into it, mm -hmm. but it is an incredible experience that you go through with your co-residents, with your faculty. No one experiences what you've no other, you know, other than physicians, no one knows what this is like to go through this and enjoy it. What you're doing is amazing. What you're going to be as a physician is amazing. And don't stress and worry too much. It will all work out. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. Um, for our otolaryngology students, um, my number one advice for them is to find a mentor. I think otolaryngology is tough. We all know that. Um, and it's a tough path as a student to navigate. And mm -hmm. that I know can be very stressful for students. And I think a mentor and not someone who's just going to like a medical student, a medical student clerkship director or program director, they don't have the time to talk to every single student and to give you meaningful, deep advice. Mm -hmm. Is to find somebody in the department, an otolaryngologist, who you can build that relationship with who can give you the advice, to give you direction, to guide you, who can invest the time in you to help you in this successful process of going through the application process, matching, and then hopefully as a resident, you still you know, keep those connections. Um, I, I just think that's a really important piece that medical students don't tend to focus on because you're so focused on all the noise of the mm -hmm. applications and the competitiveness of the specialty. And a, one good mentor, two good mentors can really help pave the way for you. Sure. Yep. And building those deep 
relationships and taking some time, stopping and smelling the roses, appreciating where you are. I think those are really good pieces of advice. Um, and I will be taking some of them certainly. And I hope some of the listeners value that advice as well. Um, any final thoughts, Dr. Malexida? For all the students who are going into otolaryngology who are listening, um, you've picked a great specialty. I'm uh, just so proud that I am an otolaryngologist. I'm so grateful that I found my way to this specialty. I think you'll all be very happy. We are a wonderful group of people. We're great colleagues. And I look forward to meeting many of you somewhere along the way. Thank you for your time. Um, today, we got to hear from Dr. Malexida, uh, Chair of OPDO and also the Program Director at Georgetown. Make sure to check out their program and stay in touch and you know, stop and smell the roses once in a while. Thank you, Dr. Malexida, and see you next week on the next episode of Sundays with Saima.